2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was crucified and died. He was buried, and then three days later, he rose from the dead. So the question I want us to focus on this morning is, how did those first disciples come to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? It's not every day that somebody rises from the dead. So how did they come to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Lots of people think the disciples just all automatically believed that. That's not what you read in the Gospels. At first, none of the disciples believed it. But then they came to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We read that in John chapter 20, the passage we're going to focus on this morning. They moved from not believing to believing. They moved from weak, struggling faith to strong, established faith in Jesus Christ, their Lord, their resurrected, risen Savior. So how did that happen for them? And and the reason I want to focus on that question is because I am sure that some of us here who are trusting in Christ are struggling in our faith. Just how it goes, right? Christian life, it's not easy. Some of you are struggling. You're weak in your faith. Maybe you don't show it on the outside, but in your heart you know you're struggling. Maybe you're facing a heartbreaking trial that is making you question, is is Jesus really the loving Savior the Bible says he is? Or maybe you're going through a, a temptation, you're battling a temptation that's becoming more and more difficult to resist, and you're starting to wonder, is Jesus worth it? Or maybe you're just feeling far from God, and you're wondering, is Jesus real? Is Christianity true? Will he help me? So some of us here who are trusting Christ, who are saved, are weak and struggling in our faith. And there's good news for you in John chapter 20. Others of you are not trusting Christ. Maybe you have never heard the story of Jesus. Maybe you grew up in a Christian church but decided it's not for you. Maybe you are of some other religion. Either way, we are glad you're here, very glad you're here. And in John 20, what we're going to see is how the disciples came to trust Jesus Christ as Savior, as Lord, as the Son of God, as God in the flesh. How did the disciples come to trust in Jesus Christ? And I'm praying that through seeing that, you will be persuaded to put your trust in Jesus Christ. So let's take a look. John chapter 20. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we will put the verses up on the screen. If you do have your Bible, open it up. Have it there in front of you. Pages you can underline, put notes in. Have your Bible there. We're going to focus on John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. And these verses focus on one disciple whose name is Thomas. Thomas, by the way, church tradition says that he's the one who brought the gospel to India Those of you who are here from India this morning, thankful for God's grace in Thomas' life, you're going to see it happen here in this passage. So let's start by asking, what's the background to these verses? What's the background to verses 24 to 31? A few years before these verses happened, Thomas became a follower of Jesus. And Thomas, along with the rest of the disciples, traveled with Jesus throughout Palestine, listening to Jesus teach, 
watching him heal the sick, even seeing him raise Lazarus from the dead, watching throngs come to put their faith in Christ, it would have been a powerful few years of being with Jesus. One thing, though, that troubled the disciples was that Jesus, on occasion, took them aside and said, listen, I am going to be crucified on the cross. I'm going to die. But this is no accident. This is all part of plan. The reason I'm coming, the reason I'm going to die is because humanity has sinned against God and all face judgment forever. But I'm here because I love you. I've come to save the lost. I'm going to die on the cross to pay for sin so that by trusting me, all your sins can be forgiven. And then, three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. So throughout their journeys, Jesus would take the disciples aside and explain this to them clearly. And it happened just as Jesus said. He was arrested. He was tried. He was beaten. He was scourged. His hands and feet were nailed to a cross, which was then set up so that he could just hang there and hang there until he died. Crucifixion was a Roman form of execution that was reserved for the worst criminals because it was a horrifying way to die. And Jesus died. And that was Friday, roughly 2,000 years ago. Friday evening, the Roman soldiers, to make sure Jesus was dead, pierced his side with a spear, and he was dead. And then his body was taken down, wrapped in linen cloths, and laid in a tomb that had been carved in a rock. And then a huge stone was rolled over the front of the tomb, and Roman soldiers were posted to secure and guard the tomb. That was Friday night. Okay, Saturday morning came, the soldiers were continuing to guard. Saturday night came, then Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, early Sunday morning, before it was light, she went to the tomb, and when she got there, she was shocked to see that the stone had been rolled away, and there was no Roman soldiers. They'd all vanished. So she ran back and told Peter and John John, who's the author of the, John, the Gospel of John, she told Peter and John, someone has stolen the body. So Peter and John ran to the tomb. They looked inside, and they were shocked what they, at what they saw. Because what they saw was the linen cloths that had wrapped Jesus' body were still there, but the body was gone, and the, the head cloth that had wrapped, been wrapped around Jesus' head had been folded up and placed by itself inside the tomb. Now, grave robbers don't, lead, don't un unwrap a body with the linen cloths and don't fold up the head cloths. They just take the body and run. So Peter and John were struck. Now, later, Mary returned to the tomb, weeping, because again, she thought the body had been stolen. But then, Jesus met her. Mary. And Mary saw it's Jesus. And she said, my Lord, and she worshiped, and then she ran back and told the disciples, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. Now that night, Jesus' disciples were together in a room, in a house, locked door, because they were afraid that just like Jesus had been arrested by the authorities, they could be arrested too because they were Jesus' followers. 
So they were together in this locked room, but Thomas was not there. We don't know why. He wasn't there. And Jesus came to them. He came to them. And to help them see that it was him, he showed them his hands that had been pierced by nails. Look at my hands. He showed them his side, which had been pierced by a spear. And when they saw his hands, and they saw his side, and they saw that it was him, they knew it was Jesus, and they believed he'd risen from the dead. See, hallucinations can't be touched. Jesus says, touch my hands, touch my side. Hallucinations can't be touched. Jesus said, touch me, see, it's me. And they did, and they believed. But like I said, Thomas wasn't there. Thomas hadn't seen Jesus' hands, hadn't touched his hands, hadn't touched his side. And that brings us then to verse 24. Look at what we read. John chapter 20, verses 24. I'll read all the way through verse 31. This is our passage for this morning. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came, at the first time when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book that is in the Gospel of John, but these are written so that you, you readers, may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, to dig into this passage, I want to raise three questions, and the first question is, what do we learn about Thomas? And it's right there in verses 24 and 25. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he, Thomas, said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So what we learn about Thomas at this point is that he did not believe Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, before Jesus had died on the cross, Thomas was a strong believer. We read in John chapter 11 that at one point he was willing to go and die with Jesus. Strong faith, strong believer in Jesus Christ. But now, after the crucifixion, Thomas did not believe Jesus had risen. Even though Jesus had told the disciples, I'm going to be crucified and then I'm going to rise, Thomas didn't believe. Even though Mary had told them all, I've seen the Lord. Even though the disciples had told him, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. At this point, Thomas did not believe 
Jesus had risen. And there's an important lesson here for us. Thomas was a believer, but at this point, his faith was struggling. His faith was weak. And that's what every believer will experience from time to time. And some of you are experiencing this today. Our hearts go out to you, but there's good news for you in this passage. Some of you have faith in Christ, yes, but it's weak, it's struggling, you're discouraged. And some of you don't have any faith in Jesus Christ. And what we learn about Thomas is that at this point, he did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But the next question we need to raise is, what does Jesus do for Thomas? And the answer is in verses 26 through 28. Start with verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came, stood among them, said, peace be with you. So eight days had gone by since the first time Jesus met with all the disciples except Thomas. For eight days, Thomas had not been believing that Jesus had risen from the dead. But now eight days later, the disciples are together again. Thomas is there. Jesus comes in again like he did before. He greets them all, peace be with you. And then Jesus directs his attention to Thomas. Jesus talks to Thomas. Verse 27, he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. See, Jesus knew that Thomas wasn't believing. He knew what Thomas had said to the disciples earlier. He knew that Thomas' faith was struggling. But see, listen, Jesus knew Thomas was one of his disciples. Thomas was one of the sheep in his flock. Thomas was one of the elect. Thomas had been saved. Nothing was going to snatch Thomas out of Jesus' hand. John chapter 10, right? Jesus was going to complete the good work he had started in Thomas. That's his commitment to everyone who trusts Christ. Jesus was going to help Thomas. And so he came to Thomas and he helped Thomas. Thomas believe. He gave Thomas exactly what Thomas needed in order to have his faith strengthened and restored. So he said, Thomas, touch my hands. You asked for it. Here, touch them. Touch my side, Thomas. That's what you want. It's what you need. I'm here. Do it. Jesus brought Thomas exactly what he needed in order to believe. Now, there is such a crucial lesson here. And that is that Jesus does not require us to have strong faith before we can receive from him. Do you see that? Jesus didn't say to the disciples, hey, when you see Thomas, would you tell him, as soon as he gets his faith stronger, I'd be glad to talk to him. It's not what Jesus said to the disciples. Jesus came to weak Thomas, struggling Thomas, unbelieving Thomas, and gave Thomas exactly what Thomas needed to believe. This is so important for us to learn. This shows how much Jesus loves us. Again, Thomas had heard that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Mary had said, I've seen the Lord. The disciples have said, we've seen the Lord. Thomas is saying, nope, and I'm believing. I'll never believe unless I see it for myself and feel it for myself. And Jesus loved Thomas. Jesus has mercy on Thomas, and Jesus loves you, 
and he has mercy on you. So if you are struggling in your faith today, don't think, I've got to get my faith stronger before I can receive anything from Jesus. You can come to Jesus Christ just as you are, with your unbelief. Say, help me. Look at my heart. Look at how I'm just so struggling. Help me. He will smile. He'll say, I'm glad you came. And he will give you exactly what you need. Listen, everything we need in the Christian life comes from Jesus. We don't bring anything of goodness to the table. We just come and say, help. Next day, help. Next day, help. And he says, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Because it's just this flow of constant mercy from Jesus Christ to undeserving people. He gets the glory. We get the mercy. That's how it works. You don't need to do anything except come and ask. Help me. So some of you are struggling in your faith, and that's all that you need to do. And he will give you exactly what you need. Such good news. And so Jesus does in verse 27. Let's read verse 27 again, and then look at Thomas's response in verse 28. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. He touched. He saw. He believed. Right? And we don't know all that was going on here. John doesn't say that Thomas touched Jesus. He might have, but what we do know is he saw enough to know that Jesus who I'd walked with for three years, that Jesus who I saw teaching, the Jesus who I saw healing, the Jesus who I saw raising Lazarus from the dead, the Jesus who I saw suffer and die on the cross. Jesus, you're here. You are alive, my Lord and my God. Now, this is a super important verse, verse 28, in the Bible for us to think deeply about. Some people don't think Thomas is saying that Jesus is God in this verse. And if you go to a university class, many of them on Christianity 101, that's what you'll hear. They say, Thomas isn't talking to Jesus here. He's looking at Jesus, talking to God, saying, my Lord and my God, he's alive. Is that what's happening here? That's not what John says happened. Notice the first three words of verse 28. Thomas answered him. Thomas is talking to Jesus here. He's looking at Jesus, and he's talking to Jesus, and he says, my Lord and my God. So Thomas is saying to Jesus, you, Jesus, are my Lord. You are my God. Also, some people say that the earliest disciples didn't believe that Jesus was God, and that Jesus himself had never said that he was God. Ever heard anybody say that? That's not what's happening here, though. Do you see? Eight days after the resurrection, Thomas is declaring that Jesus is fully God. Eight days after the resurrection. You can't get much earlier than that. And Jesus receives it, doesn't rebuke him, doesn't correct him. Oh, no, 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 just, yes. Now, what does it mean when we say that Jesus is God? It means that the man, Jesus Christ, Jesus was fully man. He also was fully 
100% God. 100% man, 100% God. There's mystery there, but that's what this means. The Bible teaches that God is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God, three persons. And it's not that each person is one-third of God. So like God the Father is one-third of God, and then you really want to get a little bit more, so Jesus is one-third, and Holy Spirit kind of rounds out the, the equation. No, no, God the Father is fully God. Jesus the Son is fully God. Remember, Paul says the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus bodily. Book of Colossians. So Jesus the Son is fully God, and God the Spirit is fully God. So Jesus Christ, the man that was standing in front of Thomas, is, was, fully God. Now think about what that means. That means that the man Jesus, because he was also fully God, had existed from eternity past with no beginning, in fellowship with God the Father and God the Spirit. This means that Jesus shared sovereignty over everything with God the Father and God the Spirit, and created everything with God the Father and God the Spirit. And this means that Jesus came to earth as a man. Jesus, fully God, came to earth as a man because he loves us so much. God the Father, Jesus the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in great love, had a plan to save lost people, sinful people who deserved only his punishment, and it involved God coming to earth in the person of Jesus, being a man, taking on human nature, being born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary, fully God, fully man. And then Jesus, fully man, fully God, went to the cross, and on the cross, Jesus died. So God, in Christ, was being punished for our sins on the cross. And let that just sink in. You think God is like aloof, like doesn't love us, doesn't care about us? God in Christ was being punished on the cross for our sins. He took on a human body precisely so that he could suffer and experience the horrifying pain of the cross. And God in Christ was being punished for our sins on the cross. What king will be punished for his rebellious subjects? Our king will. Our king, Jesus, our king will. And that's what Jesus did. See, this picture, the cross, God's love in Christ being punished for us, his compassion for us, his love for us, that's the most beautiful love in world history. That's the most beautiful love in the universe. Think about God's love. Think about God's compassion for you in sending Jesus to be punished in our place. So that's what Thomas was seeing. That's what he was feeling as he looks at Jesus standing before him and he says, my Lord and my God. So what did Jesus do for Thomas? Jesus helps Thomas believe. Gave him exactly what he needed to believe. But this chapter doesn't end there. 
it also shows what Jesus does for us today to help us believe. So what does Jesus do for us? That's verses 29 to 31. Start with verse 29. Jesus said to him, to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now think about this. Who are those who have not seen and yet believed? It can't be the other disciples because none of them believed at first either. Mary didn't believe until she saw. The other disciples didn't believe until they saw. So the ones who have not seen and yet have believed aren't the other disciples. None of the other disciples believed until they had seen Jesus. Do you see that? This is so important to understand. So who is Jesus talking about? He's talking about us, you and me. We are right there in verse 29. Jesus is talking about all those who've come to faith since Jesus ascended into heaven and was no longer here physically on earth. He's talking about us. Now here's the question. How can we come to faith without seeing him? without physically seeing him. And some people think the Bible just says, you're just supposed to believe. Some kind of a blind faith. No evidence, just like take the plunge. You know, that sort of thing. The Bible never says that. And that's not what we're seeing here. Look what John says in verses 30 and 31. Start with verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. Okay, so Jesus did lots of other miracles which John did not write in his gospel. But verse 31, but these signs are written in this gospel, the gospel of John, so that you, who's the you? Us. John's here directing, he's directly addressing his readers, all those who will read his gospel. So these signs I've written about Jesus are written in this gospel so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So in this gospel, the gospel of John, John included lots of signs, lots of miracles that Jesus did, and the reason was so that you may believe, so that you could read these Miracles, read about what Jesus did, like turning 400 liters of water into the best wine, John chapter 2, like healing a man blind from birth, John chapter 6, like turning a few loaves and fish into food for thousands, like raising Lazarus from the dead, like rising from the dead himself. John wrote these signs so that we could believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing have life in his name. So we don't believe based on blind faith. Do you see that here? We believe based on evidence. John was an eyewitness. The John who wrote John's gospel, the gospel of John, was an eyewitness of these events. He was there when Jesus was talking to Thomas. He was there when Jesus came to the disciples. He was there through all the signs. John was an eyewitness, and the Gospel of John is an historical document. There's no evidence to the contrary. We have a historical document here based on eyewitness accounts of Jesus working these signs that show us that he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Jesus earlier had come to the disciples and Thomas, 
And he said, look at my hands, look at my side. Now, Jesus is coming to us, and he says, look at my miracles, look at my signs. Do you see that? Okay, just like in the room, when the disciples were there, Jesus came and said, look at my hands, look at my side. They could see his hands, they could see his side. Now Jesus comes to us, and he says, look at my signs, look at my miracles. That's what Jesus is doing to help us believe. And here's, here's why that's so important. When we look at the truth of God's word with humble, repentant hearts, faith will be given. Faith will be strengthened. Jesus will work just like he did with the disciples, so he will do that with us. So here's what this means for us this morning. Those of you who trust Christ, love Christ, but are struggling, are weak in your faith, turn to Jesus just as you are. Don't think you need to get strong in faith first. Don't think you need to start feeling spiritual first. You can't get strong faith. You can't feel spiritual without Jesus. You've got to come to him first. Everything we need is in him. So turn to Jesus just as you are. Open up his word humbly and repentantly. Pray the, the prayer in Mark chapter 9. I believe. Help my unbelief. I've got lots of unbelief here. Forgive me. Help me. And he will help you. I promise you on the authority of God's word, he will help you. He will smile when you come. He will say, I'm glad you're here. You need stronger faith. I will give it to you every time. I tell you, this last week, I, I'd heard something, and to my shame, it just plunged me into insecurity and frustration, some, some jealousy, full of unbelief. My heart was just a wreck. And, and this has happened hundreds of times, and all of you could testify to the same thing. I came to my senses about an hour later. I said, Jesus, forgive me. What, what am I thinking? Opened up the word, prayed. I believe, but help my unbelief. And once again, I'm seeing Jesus again. I'm seeing his love again. I'm seeing his power again, his wisdom again. My faith was strengthened. I was established. All I brought to the table was unbelief. And he brought his mercy and grace and met me. I hope this is hope-giving to those of you who are struggling in your faith. Oh, our Jesus, he loves you. He will give you everything you need. Just come. Just come. Now, those of you who aren't trusting Jesus, maybe a different religious background, or you've decided you're, you're not going to be a Christian, I hope you've seen enough evidence in John chapter 20 this morning to, to at least make it reasonable to, to try what John is saying will happen. I hope you'll say, okay, and we've got an eyewitness here. At least he claims to be an eyewitness. And got the gospel of John. We see what's happening. We've got not just some kind of a hallucination going on, but they touched Jesus. They, they saw him with their own eyes. I hope you see enough evidence so that, so that you would see that it, it, it's reasonable to turn to Jesus and just say, Jesus, do what you said you would do. I'm coming humbly. I'm coming with an open heart. I'm coming repentantly. Give me faith. Show me who you are if you're real. And I promise you, if you come to Jesus and if you trust him to do 
what John says he will do here. He will. He will. He will give you faith. He will show you his reality in, in the scriptures. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. And when you come, I don't care how far you feel from God now, how staunch an atheist you might be, or how certain you are that Jesus isn't who he said he was. If you will open up the scriptures and say, show me, I trust you to do what you said you would do, he will. You'll see his glory, you'll see his truth, your faith will, will rise. So here's what this means. Jesus doesn't leave us in our unbelief. He will come to us in his word and give us faith and strengthen our faith every time. So no matter, no, no matter how unreligious you are or what religion you are or no matter how weak in faith you might be, it doesn't make any difference. If we will come and trust Jesus and say, strengthen my faith, give me faith, show me your reality in the scriptures, he will. And you'll join Thomas. You'll join Thomas. And you'll say, my Lord and my God. So this is my appeal to you this morning. Those who are struggling in faith, turn to Jesus right now. Those who have no faith, turn to Jesus right now. Say, show me. Help me. Strengthen my faith. Give me faith. And he will. Let me pray this over us. I pray, Jesus, that you'd come right now by your power and that you would touch each heart that's here. I pray for those who are weak or struggling in faith, discouraged, downcast, feeling far from you. I pray that those who are in that place would see your love in this passage, that you went to Thomas and you gave him exactly what he needed. God, let, let them see that and to feel that right now. And Lord, as they cry out to you, as they ask you for help, give faith, I pray. Lord, for those in this room who are not trusting Christ, who have not been persuaded that Jesus rose from the dead, thank you that they're here. And Lord, I pray that as they turn to you and, and trust Jesus to do what John says he will do, that you would beautifully reveal Christ to them as their Lord, as their Savior, as their God. You'll give them faith. You'll fill them. So, Lord, we would leave this place believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, having life in his name. We know all this is true, Jesus, because of your death on the cross and your resurrection. We want to celebrate that now. Amen.